Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. everybody welcome to marriage and martinis this is very strange for me i'm doing this intro by myself i don't think i've ever done that um it feels very lonely and strange but um adam has been working like crazy especially with getting the ebook out last week and everything it was just maybe the busiest week we've ever had and exciting and stressful and wonderful and thank you for all your support but he is exhausted and um, so I told him that he could take a break and I would do the intro although now it feels really weird and I'm kind of regretting it but anyway um, today's episode actually I was it meant something to me to do this by myself with Allegra from Obsessively Ever After all about OCD I've shared some of my story in many episodes, like little tidbits here and there that I really do suffer um, pretty intensely from obsessive compulsive disorder. Uh, At times in my life, it's been completely debilitating and on a daily basis, it is definitely always present. Um, I'm always fighting it and um, I have been through intense therapy for it and I am still in in therapy um, and dealing with it. I will be for the rest of my life. I am on SSRIs. Um, since I'm 19 and, um, when I went off them, when I was pregnant, it was probably the worst time of my life. So, um, anyway, please, uh, if you are out there suffering right now, please know that you are not alone and I see you, um, and I'm here for you. Um, you know, one thing we talked about in the episode is that, uh, most people don't talk about the other side of OCD, which is that. People who have OCD and mental illness in general uh, are learn how to be very empathetic, kind, giving, grateful, loving people um, just by virtue of what we deal with every day. So, um, you know, I, I don't know I, I, how you feel, but there's part of me that um, feels like OCD has been a, a real gift in my life, um, albeit one that has tortured me at times. So please enjoy our episode with Allegra, my episode with Allegra. Um, she's wonderful. Uh, if you are not following her at Obsessively Ever After, please go do so now. Even if you don't have OCD, she um, is just forming this amazing community over there. It is Mental Health Awareness Month. Uh, so, you know, it's a great time right now to go out there and uh, learn a little bit more, support all different communities, um, you know, for maternal mental health and um, just any kind of uh, assistance that you can give to uh, be an ally and an advocate for mental health, 
health awareness is amazing. Thank you all for being here, for accepting me, for not judging, um, and for listening as I tell my story throughout this episode and Allegra tells her story because um, she's really wonderful. I know you're going to love her. And thanks for being here and always being so um, accepting and supportive. I love you. Thank you so much for being here, Allegra. You're welcome. I'm excited. Yeah, I... I've started, I don't know how I found your page, honestly, but I'm so (laughs) glad I did Um, because I feel like you are doing something, what you're doing, I feel like it hasn't been done before. You present obsessive compulsive disorder, OCD, in the most relatable way, and I'm dying to hear about how you got here. Um, So tell me about your past experience with OCD and you know, how you got to this point where you have this amazing Instagram community. Thank you. So it was really my own journey with OCD that got me to this place, but I didn't know for a while that I was struggling with OCD because of all of the misconceptions about the disorder and accounts on Instagram and articles online, honestly, really like saved my life. So I knew when I decided to go back to school for therapy that I wanted to have this platform for people because I think there's just not enough information out there. Mm -hmm. So when did you first know you had OCD? So looking back, I can see it my entire life, but it didn't really full blown manifest until I was 19, which interestingly enough is a common age for people. I get 19 a lot with my clients And I don't know how to explain it other than like one day, I just feel like my brain broke and it was never the same from that point on. Mm -hmm. I had an intrusive thought and it was the scariest thought ever and the most uncomfortable thought. And it just started replaying in my mind 24 seven. And it was an intrusive sexual thought. And I had no idea, like, I didn't even, I didn't know what that was. I didn't know that that could happen. And I went almost two years struggling with no idea that I was experiencing OCD. That must have been beyond scary. It was the most terrorizing thing. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm so, I'm not, I don't want to say so far removed, but I'm removed enough where I can talk about it and I can write about it. But even talking about it, sometimes I still get that feeling that kind of just like visceral feeling of when I was in it. And it was definitely the scariest thing I've ever been through. Did you tell anybody about the thought? Because if you didn't know it was OCD, that can be a petrifying thing to tell somebody that you're having this intrusive sexual thought. I didn't tell anyone for that reason. I was so afraid. And I knew when I had that first thought that it was so opposite to who I was. It was nothing I wanted. I was so afraid of it. But I didn't know what it was. And I was so afraid that if I told somebody, they would think I was a monster. Mm -hmm. So I didn't tell a soul. I didn't tell my family. I didn't tell my friends. And I think it was about probably like six months into me experiencing this. I was going to a doctor's appointment and I wanted so badly to tell this doctor, but I just couldn't do it. I got there and I kind of just like lied about what it you know, what I was experiencing because I couldn't open up. That that was was a therapist or a regular doctor? It was a regular doctor and I was going for like anxiety and depression. I mean, I basically was like crying and saying I was depressed. Meanwhile, I knew that something else was going on, but I just couldn't get it out of me. I thought that 
she would, I don't know, lock me up. Right. All right. I know. I remember thinking that too. Did you have any of the physical stuff for it? That if I do this, this many times, this won't happen? Or what were your, your, you know, your physical um, compulsions? So that's a good question. I actually didn't have any physical compulsions. And I think that made it more difficult for me to understand that it was OCD. All of my compulsions were mental. So like ruminating, trying to figure out why I was having these thoughts, avoidance as a compulsion. I would avoid kids because I was triggered. I would avoid anything that reminded me of the OCD or anything that could trigger it. And not much reassurance seeking because I was terrified. I didn't want to ask anyone like what this is. Um, So mostly mental compulsions. I don't think I had a single physical compulsion. And when did you first go to therapy for it? Oh, so that was... Or find out that it was OCD even. Okay. So I remember the day I found out that it was OCD. I didn't believe it at the time, but... I was in so much pain that I just, I remember I was at a work event. I was a publicist at the time and it was like, my day was hell. And I just like, I had to find out what it was. So I sat in my bed and I Googled, why am I having these thoughts? I wish I would have done that like from the get-go because I probably could have gotten help a lot sooner. So I Googled it and OCD came up. So I started reading some articles and I thought like, this could be it. But also everything that I had heard about OCD was it's about hand-washing and people who love to organize. So I couldn't put two and two together. Like I saw that this could be an OCD subtype, but I didn't fully believe it. And even with that, like reading that online, I still didn't try to find a therapist because I was too afraid. Mm -hmm. Um, But one day when I was working in the office as a publicist, my friend kind of like found me a therapist for me. Mm. She picked up her phone in the office and because she saw me like crying. I was really high functioning, but I would like step outside to cry at work because I was so afraid. It was like 24 seven thoughts when I'm like trying to send my emails and trying to call editors. And nobody in your family had had it that you know of? No, it's it just feels like the craziest experience to me because I mean, I don't it's no one in my family had it. I I mean, it just happened so quickly too. It was one thought and I literally just feel like I thought it was the end of my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause when I was growing up, um, I knew that my mom and my grandmother had had it and we had a lot of anxiety in our family and everything. My mom had OCD, but you were talking about the hand washing. That's what we saw. And, you know, and, and she was on medication and everything. And, but she had, you know, phases of when I was growing up where it would be the compulsive hand washing, the constant hand washing. And so that's always what I associated with OCD. Also, she was having intrusive thoughts, but she never talked about it. So I had no idea. So when I started having the intrusive thoughts, I, same thing, I thought I was going crazy. I didn't even really link it to the OCD. And when you're going through it, the thoughts are so real Oh, so real. real. Yeah, I want to talk about that a little bit, too, because that's one of the biggest things. One of the biggest questions that I got from our audience was all about shame, that, you know, Mm. there's so much shame surrounding OCD, as there is so much mental illness. But with OCD, it's, you know... I almost want I almost say like it's like you're hallucinating almost. I love that you say that because that's 
I literally thought I was experiencing schizophrenia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought I was hearing things and I thought I was seeing things because the images in my mind were so real. Mm-hmm. It was obviously internal and not external, but I I was at a point where I thought, okay, I'm schizophrenic. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is happening. Right. Yeah, so the, it's like it's almost like you're hallucinating and it's so amazing to me that something can feel so real. Like I can remember standing in the shower and replaying a scenario in my head. Um, you know, one time, you know, just to with you, I feel like I could be super honest. One time when I thought I had stolen money, something that I would <laughs> never right? Like I went into a register and stole like $10 or something and it was going to be on camera. And I remember sitting in the shower, replaying that scenario over and over, trying to convince myself that it hadn't happened. And every single time it was a, well, what if, what if, what if? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's the what ifs that kill you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, the, the shame around it of, first of all, you have this horrible thing you're thinking about and it feels so real and Mm -hmm. then it's not something like listen all mental illness is horrible and everything but when it's depression and you're sleeping a lot there's all these signals and stuff that people can see this is something that if I don't tell somebody they're not gonna know so I'm not gonna get help Mm -hmm. and how do you tell somebody that you think you stole money or that you think you did something sexually inappropriate or yeah So talk to me about the shame that surrounds it. Shame is such a big emotion that people with OCD experience. And I think especially people with the more like quote unquote taboo obsessions, because it makes you feel like you're a monster, like a really bad person for having sexually intrusive thoughts or violent thoughts or you know, postpartum obsessions where you're getting intrusive thoughts about throwing your baby down the stairs. There's so much shame because it feels like there must be something wrong with me for me to be thinking these things. And the shame builds when we don't share our experience with people. But the sad reality is most people with OCD go, I think it's 10 to 15 years without getting a proper diagnosis. And that's 10 to 15 years of suffering in silence. That's 10 to 15 years of shame just brewing. Right. And where are you going to learn about it? Like nobody ever talks about it or it's not. I mean, people know about depression. They know about anxiety. But OCD is also such a term that's thrown around so much. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I want to get back to that. But can you tell me a little bit, do people know because it does feel so real How does that happen? Does anybody know, like, where do these thoughts happen? What is happening in our brain that you can picture it so vividly and convince yourself so strongly? Like, the mind is such a powerful thing. So powerful. I don't know enough about, like, the brain and OCD. I mean, I know, like essentially the OCD brain is very hyperactive. So you can see online, if you Google OCD brain, I think MRIs will come up of a brain without OCD and then a brain with OCD. And the brain with OCD is like lit up. It's red, it's orange, and it shows that there's so much more hyperactivity than a brain without OCD. So we all get intrusive thoughts and maybe some of us get intrusive images But for the person with OCD, because the brain is so hyperactive and the fear center is malfunctioning, these thoughts that come in get flagged as dangerous when danger is not actually present. 
So we get a lot of false alarm feelings that make us feel like this is real. Mm -hmm. I'm in danger. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly how it does feel because it, it almost, it feels like you're getting yourself into trouble. Nobody else is doing it to you. You're literally your own worst enemy with OCD. And that's the scariest thing is like, I'm going to fuck up my own life right now by doing something stupid that I don't even want to do. Mm -hmm. Then the whole thing just makes no sense. Makes no sense. And logic isn't Like you can't out logic OCD, it doesn't work. So even when we know it's irrational and this is something I wouldn't ever want to do, the OCD brain is not gonna connect to that. And that's why reassurance doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so what do you tell people who, because I was, I needed constant reassurance. (laughs) I mean, constant, 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 like I would have my mom, you know, laying down with me all night, reassuring me again and again. And it drives the people around you crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, it drives yourself crazy. It's it's an endless cycle then when you're constantly reassuring. So what are you, what do you say to people? So tolerate uncertainty is a big thing. Like we have certainty about nothing. And I always tell my clients like reassurance doesn't work. And if it did, you wouldn't be here in treatment. If someone could say to you, of course you didn't do this thing, or of course you're not going to do this thing, and you believed it, you wouldn't be here. Mm -hmm. And short-term pain for long-term gain is something else I tell clients a lot of the time. You might get, so, well, let's go back to that for a second. So with compulsions, like reassurance seeking, you might get short-term gain. Your anxiety might go down for five to 10 minutes. But that reassurance seeking fuels the obsessive compulsive cycle. So you suffer more in the long run. So I tell my clients short-term pain, tolerate the discomfort that comes with not seeking reassurance so that you feel better in the long run. Mm -hmm. So what are the main, you know, like the main treatments right Mm -hmm. now for OCD? So exposure and response prevention, which is a behavioral therapy is the gold standard treatment for OCD. And it's scary for a lot of OCD sufferers because essentially what it is, is you are exposing yourself to your fear and cutting out compulsions at the same time. So let's say, I'll give you an example. Let's say someone is having violent intrusive thoughts about their newborn baby and they avoid holding their baby as you know, a compulsion, an exposure would be, you're going to hold your baby at the top of the stairs and you're just going to stand there. You're going to tolerate that anxiety and discomfort. That's exposure. Yeah. I've, I've, and I've been through that and Mm -hmm. I had to, I remember when I was doing it, when I was going through it, um, I had to call my therapist every time I had, you know, done something and admit on the phone in a recording that I had done it. So that to me, I mean, it was, it is horrifying. It is literally like every single time I remember I would try to explain it to Adam when I was going through it. I would say to him, you know, like imagine like standing on top of the Empire State Building and someone saying to you, don't worry, you can jump. There's a huge trampoline at the bottom. You're going to be safe. Mm-hmm. And every say, but you couldn't see the trampoline at the bottom. Yep. You didn't know it was there. Someone's just telling you it's there. Yeah. And you have to jump. And that's what it feels like a thousand times a day. Yep. When you're going through therapy. Yep. And it is, it is so exhausting. 
It is. Yeah. It is so mentally and physically draining. It is. And so many of my clients say like, I need a nap after a therapy session right? <laughs> because exposure and response prevention is exhausting. Yeah. So what people, what I would say to people, I went through um, postpartum OCD. I had terrible intrusive thoughts um, when my first baby was born, when my daughter was born. Um, horrible that, you know, I would lock up the uh, medicine cabinet. I would lock up the, the cleaning supplies, like all these things when I was going through and I was actually in therapy at the same time. Um, but one thing that really screwed me up when I was pregnant that I always tell people is that I didn't have the right doctor. First of all, I didn't have the right OB. That was the first thing because they had told me to go off my medication. And I, you know, there had been no research done by me, no research done by my doctors. They just told me to go off my medication. And that put me in a spiral. Then they sent me to a therapist. And when I got to the therapist, the therapist was like, well, what happened in your childhood that's causing this? No. Yeah. And I knew in my heart, I mean, not that I had the most perfect childhood because I certainly did not, but I had a good childhood and I knew that it wasn't that. I knew this wasn't that, Mm -hmm. which screwed me up also. And I actually ended up writing him a really long letter, like after I found the right specialist, the right doctor. And, And the right and wrong doctor can make or break like everything you're working on, what oh, yeah. are the signs like to run in the other direction if you are meeting with a therapist and you tell them you have OCD? Mm-hmm. Oh, that is such a good question. So first would be like a psychoanalysis of the thoughts. Like, why are you having these thoughts? Let's try to figure out what they mean about you or a deep dive into childhood to figure right. out like what brought on these thoughts. That's a big no. Because essentially analyzing why you're having thoughts or trying to find meaning in them, that's a compulsion. Don't ever pay a talk therapist like that to just compulse in their office because that's exactly what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So run if you have a therapist who's trying to find meaning in the thoughts. Or even some therapists will say like, yeah, I specialize in cognitive behavioral therapy. But they use cognitive techniques that are not beneficial for OCD treatment like hold up a red stop sign in your mind every time you have the thought. And that is so harmful because we can't stop our thoughts. Thought suppression doesn't work. And the more we try to not think about something, the more we think about it. I mean, really, if your therapist isn't doing exposure and response prevention, it's probably not the right OCD therapist for you. So that's the first thing that you should look for when you're looking for a therapist, especially for OCD. Like, and you can't just go to any therapist. It's not like regular, you know, generalized anxiety or anything. And, you know, I mean, there's so many amazing therapists out there, but they don't specialize in OCD. Yeah. And it's so important to find a specialist or you might get misdiagnosed. Your symptoms might get worse if you're going to a talk therapist that's analyzing your thoughts and providing you with reassurance. So it can be a big waste of time and money if you don't find a specialist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Money is a big thing too. I mean, is it possible to get good treatment and not spend a, you know, not everybody can get great treatment or spend a ton of money. Totally. I think, you know, I think because treatment for OCD is a specialty, it's, it can be really expensive Mm -hmm. and some clinicians do offer sliding scale, like I'll do sliding scale for certain clients. And 
there are some treatment centers that have like lower fees as well, but it can be very expensive. Yeah. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Well, there are also there are also places I know in New York City. Um, we've actually done an episode with them, and I wish they had been around when I was young, when I was younger, when I was in my twenties, having my first kid, um, the motherhood center in New York city. And now places like that are starting to, to pop up. And I mean, check your city, check your town, because I didn't know about the motherhood center the whole time I was living in New York. It was not until much later. Mm -hmm. So sometimes, you know, there are treatment centers that we just don't know about. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Um, I, I was, when I was going through OCD, I had what my therapist referred to as scrupulosity. Oh, yes. Do you want yes. to tell everybody a little bit about that version? So OCD has like different versions and they can morph. Yes. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So scrupulosity can be religious or it can be moral scrupulosity. So moral scrupulosity is kind of like an excessive concern about being good. Mm-hmm. A lot of people experience that, like, am I good enough? Did I do something bad? Whereas religious scrupulosity is, I mean, it could be a number of things, but a fear of offending God, a fear of praying in the wrong way, could be like sexually intrusive thoughts about God. So there's those kind of two different kinds of it. Mm-hmm. And then there's also just right obsessions. Yes. Mm-hmm. What are those? So with just right obsessions, the person feels like they have to do something in just the right way. So what that means for them is they're often performing an activity over and over and over again until it feels right to them. And that can be so time consuming and exhausting I had a client who would have to walk in and out of a store in like the right way. And if it didn't feel right, he'd have to do it all over again. And it was really difficult for him to break that. Right. And it's so difficult on so many levels because like there's also, again, the humiliation of walking in and out of a store all (laughs) those times until, you know, I, I mean, and I, I don't know. And then you're, you're late for work or you're late for where you're going. Like it's such a domino effect. People don't even realize it's not just the actual obsessive and compulsive compulsion. It, it bleeds into the rest of your life. It, yeah, it really does seep into every area. I mean, it can affect dating, sex, Mm -hmm. your career, everything. Right. Um, And then the other one is violent intrusive thoughts. Yes very common. People will get intrusive thoughts about stabbing other people or what if I, you know, shoot up a school or they'll get images of it. And that can also be like violent thoughts toward oneself, which we call suicidal obsessions. So sometimes people get intrusive thoughts about like jumping off of a building or swerving their car into the median while they're driving. 
And those are like definitely more taboo and scary for people to talk about. Yeah. I remember when um, I had hit and run OCD, mm-hmm. which is when you are driving and you believe you've hit somebody and, you know, obviously you haven't. Yes. There would be, you know, signs of it. But I would then have to turn around and go around. And then the second time I would go around, I would then be like, oh, no, well, what if I hit them this time and I hadn't hit them that time? And then you're going, I mean, the cycle of it is torture. It really is. And I mean, compulsions can get so like, I mean, I had a client once who would like the windows would have to be rolled up so they could hear if they hit someone, they would check their mirror every five seconds. The radio was like at zero so they could fully hear while they were driving Mm -hmm. they wouldn't drive at night they wouldn't go into parking lots I mean it really affects people's lives right but what about I want to talk a little bit about OCD um and with kids and you know kids do a lot of obsessive and compulsive things just being kids I mean they have (laughs) compulsions and obsessions I mean my son had so many you know he was obsessed he would drum on everything and he would you know he just had all of these like compulsions Mm -hmm. but there's a line you know there's a line of what do we look for especially with me who you know I have it my mother has it my grandmother had it I'm always looking for signs. I'm like, is that a sign? Is that a, you know, and I feel like, no, it would be pretty obvious. I would know. Um, But what do what do parents look for if you're not, you know, if you're wondering? That's a really good question. I think one of the most common symptoms I see in kids with OCD is confession as a compulsion. A lot of kids will confess and feel like they have to tell their parents thought after thought after thought. So that's a big one. I mean, seeing if your kid is doing certain rituals, like are there certain things that they have to do a certain number of times or certain things that they can't do? Looking for reassurance seeking. Like, yes, kids need reassurance, obviously, but if it's excessive, that could be a sign. Mm -hmm. And just talking to your kids as well, because I do see kids who are having like, young kids with sexually intrusive thoughts and it's, they go, you know, they suffer in silence because they're afraid to tell their parents. Right. I know. I know, it's but it, it is heartbreaking. Yeah. But then I know you said the number 19 and 19 was the number that I, you know, that's when I first went on medicine and everything. Um, And then, you know, it was controllable for a little while until it wasn't. Um. But my, 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 like, what, what is it? Why does it all of a sudden just manifest? Is there, is it trauma? Is it, you know, what, what is the reason why it, it doesn't, and like you said, you think you can see it from your whole life. I feel like that too. I feel like I think about maybe not my whole life, but definitely like middle school and high school. Mm -hmm. I can think about it a lot, but I was able to be high functioning and, and it didn't really, you know, like it didn't consume my days. Yeah. So people with OCD are genetically predisposed to it. So there's a big biological component and then environmental factors can influence it. Like it's not caused by trauma. Trauma could like 
it could what's the word that I'm looking Man, yeah it could make it manifest yeah, yeah exactly trauma could impact it but it's not like it's not the main cause of OCD the person was like wired to probably have it at some point and I think about that a lot like why did this happen at 19 and I think I I think I know I was um, experiencing anorexia when I was like I think from age 18 to 19 and I really and truly think that my body being so malnourished probably led to OCD coming on really strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it can be something that like just sort of kicks it into motion again. Absolutely. And I yeah. feel like that was it for me. Mm-hmm. Has it affected? I mean, for me, I, I'm when I had my first real, I mean, like where I was a prisoner in my bedroom, I never left. I moved out of my house with Adam and I moved in with my parents when I was pregnant and everything. And I, I often say to myself, you know, I wonder how did this happen when Adam and I were dating or starting to date? Would we still be together? Would he have stuck around? And, and honestly, at the time, had I been with somebody who was doing what I was doing, I don't know that I would have stuck yeah. around. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is really, I mean, it, it is so stressful for it, a partner. Um, but yet at the same time, it doesn't last forever. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It, it can get so much better. And I think everyone deserves a partner who is willing to be there by your side. Right. And so what do you say to people who are afraid to date? Oh, that's a good question. I would say date anyways and let your values, you know, guide your decisions and not your fears. I think a lot of people fear dating because they're so afraid to open up to somebody about their OCD. And with that, I say like, you don't have to, you can, if you'd like to, but you don't owe anyone your diagnosis and you don't owe anyone your story. And if you do end up sharing and the person shames you or is like a dick about it, that's not the person that you want to be with. Right. Well, I would say date anyways, if you feel like you're at a point where you can do that. And the second piece of that is sex. A lot of people avoid sex because they're so triggered by their intrusive thoughts. So that is probably going to be a part of exposure and response prevention treatment. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. There's, there's just so many layers. So many layers for sure. I know. Um, Yeah. Adam went to therapy with me when I was going through, I mean, trust me, we went through such a hard time with it. And, you know, there was a time where he didn't know if I was going to be like institutionalized. I didn't know if I was going to be institutionalized. We just did not know what was going on or going to happen. And when you're in it, it really feels like it's going to be forever. There's had someone said to me, no, you're going to live a full life and everything's going to be okay. And you know, you're going to be happy and you're going to be, I would have said to them, there is no fucking way that is going to happen. No way. I'm going to live in this room for the rest of my life and I'm going to cry myself, you know, to sleep if I sleep every night. Yeah. It's, if it's unbelievable. That's a big one. Sleep was yeah. so hard for me with OCD. Right. You were. Yeah. And then once you can't sleep, it's, it's, it's all, it's a downhill spiral. I know. Yeah. My therapist once said to me, um, you know, one thing about people with OCD is that o- people who have OCD tend to generally be, and I'm generalizing and tell me, you know, that I might be making a ridiculous, ridiculous statement, but tend to be really good 
hearted, empathetic people. Mm-hmm. Because the root of OCD is really that you want to be a good person. You want to do yeah. a good job. You want to, you know, the, the root of it is I don't want to hurt anybody. I don't want to screw up. I don't want to, you know, like be a, you know, a violent criminal. I, yeah. everything you're doing is rooted in, I want to be good. Absolutely. And I think like at like baseline, I think people with OCD are no more likely than people without to do something bad. I would say that people with OCD are less likely than people without to do something bad because they are so overly concerned about not harming others. Right. So what do you say to people? I mean, I would love to hear you know, I'm always I'm always trying to be as open as I can about my OCD. And, you know, there are some intrusive thoughts that I still sort of keep to myself because of the shame of them. Um, you know, some of some of them Adam knows some of them that he doesn't even know. And that's OK. Like, that's my own private thing. I don't think everything needs to be divulged. But what do you say to people who are in it? You know, like, what do you want people to know about the other side of OCD? Like, you know, that you're, it makes you empathetic. It it does all these, you know. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I think if you can, if you get through OCD, I think you're going to be able to get through anything. Honestly, I think it makes a person really strong and it sucks because nobody should have to go through that. But surviving OCD, I think is like one of the toughest things ever in life. So I would say you're going to be a lot stronger because of it. Not that there's a silver lining, right? No one has to have one, but stronger, empathetic, and just a probably really caring person. Yeah, definitely. Um, tell me, tell everybody where they can find you and, you know, what you're doing next and yeah. everything. So I just opened a practice in New York. It's called the Center for OCD, Anxiety, and Eating Disorders. So I'm still working on that, like getting all of my marketing stuff together because I really only focus on Instagram. That's like the only thing I put energy to in terms of marketing. And it's where most of my clients come from. But Instagram is fantastic. (laughs) I feel like I've got to be like a a traditional therapist and have a website too. So I'm working on that. But uh, I love how untraditional you are. I think it's amazing. <laughs> I mean, you. you're so relatable. No, I'm serious. Like I, you know, n- n- nothing against him. He was a wonderful therapist, but I went to like this 65 year old man who, <laughs> you know, like I, I'm not really sure that I ever wanted to tell him my sexual intrusive that thoughts. Like, I would it. tell you my sexual yes. intrusive thoughts. I said the same thing when I was looking for a therapist. I was like, I'm not going to have a 70-year-old man stare me down as I tell him these sexually intrusive thoughts I'm having. Like, ew. And that is, that's part of the finding the right doctor. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I I know. I think people feel guilt about leaving their therapist. Yeah. No, leave them if you do not feel like you are getting what you need. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is such good advice. I mean, you are paying them for a service. Totally. Yes. Um, Okay, so you're doing the center. Everyone needs to follow you at Instagram at? you. At Obsessively Ever After. Okay, and we will look out for your Instagram, uh, for your uh, website. Thank you. But yeah, you are fantastic, and I hope everybody goes and follows you. And thank you so much for being here. I mean, I like, I could talk about OCD all day, so. For sure. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much. You're welcome. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.